Welcome everyone to WRPX, your Wrestling Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza, and this is part two of our conversation about Ring of Honor with Big Red Machine uh, from the WrestlingRevolution.com. Uh, the last episode, we went over Final Battle, the end of an era, and now as the conversation kind of like started going, we started talking about... You know, like our memories, like a retrospective look at Ring of Honor and also a little bit of like the future. What is to come? What are we expecting to see in April of 2022? So buckle up and let's get to it. Because of that, like I, well, we talked about that we should, I don't know, like talk about our our memories of Ring of Honor. Uh, You kind of brought up that you started watching in 08. How, how did you find out about Ring of Honor? Um, I found out about Ring of Honor probably through reading lots of articles on Wikipedia. Um, and then I, I stumbled on the one from Man Up um, and just the, the whole crazy angle after the, the latter one then the was it Jay or Mark, whichever one being hung upside down while Jimmy Jacobs cuts that promo. Yes. And I sort of, oh, okay, that's a thing. And I filed it away in the back of my mind. And then when the Nigel McGuinness Tyler Black title match at Take No Prisoners 2008, which probably was just playing Take No Prisoners, was getting buzz, I looked him up and found the message board, which you could not sign on to or you couldn't join because supposedly it would only open up for certain times because there was lots of craziness there and never did. Um, but and then I sort of kept tabs on it. And then um, so I remember reading some show results. And by actually, it was when Gabe got fired, ironically, for me being a Gabe Sapolsky fanboy, was that was the first weekend I had sort of, oh no, maybe it was Glory by Honor weekend that year. It was the first weekend I was sitting there refreshing the keyboard to, to wait for the results. Yeah. I, in the meantime, I had gone back and reread like everything I could find to sort of just experience things in order and just reading the, the show recaps. And I remember sort of my jaw dropping with uh, the summer of punk stuff and the CZW stuff and like just being completely blown away. Um, I started going to shows. My first show was also my first wrestling show was. Injustice 2 in September, no, January 2009, January 17th, 2009, Edison, New Jersey. Um, I'm like 99% sure on that date. I did not have a car, dragged my friend Steve, who had never been to a wrestling show along with me. And I remember just, ex- I was just so excited to, ex- on the way there, when the car explaining all the angles to him. Um, and the main event that night, there was a big bait and switch on um, the big main event that night was supposed to be Aries and uh, Nigel for the belt. And it wound up being Aries and Tyler. And it was just insane. Um, unfortunately, the timekeeper rang the bell at the, so I guess the wrestlers went too fast at the 48 minute mark for a draw. Hence the name of the show, but it was just crazy. And Steve and nervous wrestling show before, and he's chanting, fuck you, Nigel by the end. Yeah. Um, I remember there, there was a big, crazy crowd brawl. Or like, they went up in the crowd. It was like the main event, one of the ways that they stalled for time, but it felt natural was they 
because of the intera- everyone's interactions with Ares earlier, was they set up Ares at their field there. I think Dragon, no, not Dragon. Other people, all the various factions that started coming in, and Dragon comes and gives this big, great speech about this isn't what Ring of Honor is about, which unfortunately never went anywhere. Um, but and he got attacked behind by Ares, and guys were running through, and uh, before I know it, you know, holy crap, Jimmy Jacobs and Necro Butcher almost ran over me. <laughs> Yeah, and I went to four more shows that year. I, the next show I went to was the second day of HD Net tapings. I, you know, took a train from the DC area up to Philadelphia to then to be at that show, and it was just Ring of Honor. It was so it was so different from everything else. I um, mean, I I mean I can go on on and on for you know just stuff just about booking and like you know WWE and. WCW and everyone else for the most part has it's the same shows year after year, mm-hmm. but I mean I mean like like backlash and whatever, but in ROH you had some of the marquee events and there were, you know every show you know later or before was given a name and that I found helped me sort of you know a realize that you know it helped me remember things but like looking at it in hindsight it probably helped dvd sales because this was a different product you know it's, it's a dvd product but you had to yeah. it was a totally different method of booking than the you know we're always to the four weeks of tv into the pay-per-view and this was totally different because you had to have different things peaking at different times and it just was so much more beautiful more intricate and like just I mean, we've all said everything there is to say about issues with WWE and TNA and how they, they book things. And But, like, Gabe had – I mean, WWE actually in my formative WWE years did some of this too. We had the champion involved with several different challengers at the same time and not, you know, we're just doing a triple threat match. But, like, what sticks out of mind is the build of the first elimination chamber where Triple H, you know, didn't like Jericho and was actively feuding, you know, at different times with Kane and Booker T and Rob Van Dam and Sean. And you build up then to the six way. And I remember just Arwitch having, you know, Danielson and Aries, his second reign in particular was, the, that was the first one I was watching for. And Nigel was going in there and, you know, there were like, six different potential challengers. And even if it wasn't someone you thought was going to take the belt off of him, there was at least a story going on. And it was so different from what you saw on TV. And like, you go back and read some of my early fantasy booking. There's so many fuck finishes. <laughs> like that's ring of honor. So that's not what this has to be. In fact, it's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can go on forever about everything. Yeah, no, well, yeah, like I, I totally agree. Like, especially those years, like uh, pre Summer of Punk, I guess too. Like, WWE had been in control for ten years now. TNA had started to scratch like the itch for some people, but it just wasn't doing it for for most. And and Ring of Honor was out there doing really special things, finding really special talents. And, and yeah, like you said, like just making shows, each show feels special. Yeah. Uh, the, the first show that I ever watched, like a full show, was Manhattan Mayhem 2. And that's because that's the only DVD that I was able to find. And, and like that show, uh, that's Morishima versus Danielson. And that is yep. Briscoe's versus Tinerico. 
Yep. And it was actually Briscoe's versus Dinerico, the match that really taught me like how different uh, Ring of Honor was because the storyline that the Briscoes had were that they were doing two out of three false matches for all their title defenses, and they were in a streak of winning back-to-back falls. And so, like, I go in and, like, I don't know, like, 20 years of history of Lucha Libre and just, like, WWE booking, and I'm like, whoa, this didn't go to a third fall. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) I don't understand this. (laughs) And that's where you started. Like I, st- I started to notice like those things. Uh, I first heard of Ring of Honor through TNA because I started following AJ. Well, the whole AJ Danielson. I mean Daniels and Joe feud. Yes, that, and that's that, also when I tuned in, started watching TNA. Yeah, and so that, yeah. I mean, once you start digging, that's obviously going to lead you to Ring of Honors and yep. just learning about Joe and Daniels yep. mostly. And and that's how I got. But like the first show that I was able to find, like to buy the DVD, was my How to Make Him Two. And yeah, it was just a, a beautiful show. <laughs> yeah, that one of those just great top to bottom shows. And that like Manhattan Mayhem, the name, the first one was also a tremendous top to bottom show. And like they would build up cachet with these names that like they saved Manhattan Mayhem for what they thought was going to be a a really strong top to bottom show. And I think for the most part, they all were. There might have been one that I didn't like, think was as good when the ladies bring in ring wise, but like certainly the name fit and it was crazy. But like every, all the bookers, I don't think Cornette ever actually booked the Manhattan Mayhem, but everyone else, you know, no matter who was like that name meant something. And it's not something you can do when you, Manhattan Mayhem is just the October show or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because it was the same thing when they were doing the the Super Card of Honors, and you you knew, oh, that's the show where they bring the Dragon Gate guides in, right? And, and and so you start to look forward to certain names. Death Before Dishonor became like a staple of of like big time matches. Final yeah. Battle, obviously, that we just talked about, like it it became the the biggest show the for show, Ring yeah. of Honor, yeah. Which is Ring of Honor is funny. AEW has sort of had this. I don't think it's really a question. I think all all out is their big show. But with Ring of Honor, there was a lot. There was until the past, let's say, ten years, maybe a little more. There was always a debate as to what the bigger show was because a lot of it Mm -hmm. in the beginning it felt like it was Death Before Dishonor. Yeah. Early on, they'd actually pushed Glory by Honor, like even the first year. That was the biggest show yet, and like Glory by Honor was the one where they were actually. Like that, they bought Terry Funk in. That was when they, I'm blank what they did though for, but I, I think that might have been they they started heating up the the belt versus belt feud that didn't wind up going anywhere that gave it always wanted to do forever, and you know, um, Bounder, for them that was where you know they Danielson and Kenta was going on for that that was the show that Mizawa came in for in those seven was going by honor, yeah, and it was, but. No, no other company that I can think of has it been between. Like normally, we're debating what's what's the fourth, you know, big show. Or what's the, you know, the, the is there a fifth big show? And with RH, you didn't know which one was the big one. And I would argue, I mean, Supercard of Honor later on kind of felt like it when they would do, you know, with they were doing the, the Hardest Bucks, and then Kenny Cody the next year. Was that the same year? 
I don't think so. No, but like I, I do agree with you, and I think I felt that way until they did Best in the World. Yes, and that also became one. Yeah, of them. I, I actually felt that Best in the World came in, and that kind of pushed shows like Glory by Honor a little bit to the back. And I think at that point it was yes. just more like your your summer show and then your winter show with Final Battle. Yeah, definitely. And the anniversary show also lost its prominence, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because the first best in the world, or not the first one, the, the 06 one, I actually, or not 06, the, sorry, 06 was the first one, wow. The 2011 one with uh, David Richards winning the World like that, that fits into that pattern of like, this is an amazing top to bottom show. That like, I really, really like that show. And yeah, you're definitely like that. And Glory by Honor in particular started to fall those, those next, basically starting that year yeah pretty much because uh, it's around here where they I think this is around the time where they start to flirt with New Japan too like in the no that's a, that's a couple of years off okay because I do uh, I think that at one point also like World of Worlds becomes like a big destination show for them see I thought that they, they I didn't think it ever was the new japan guys were the draw but storyline wise they didn't do much there oh no and the whole the clusterfuck. yeah that was just like a showcase like type of show and it's what they used to do that with uh all-star extravaganza which why it drove me nuts when they just made that the fall pay-per-view because the all-star extravaganza name it used to mean you know this is the show where we've got people coming in from noah and from triple a yeah, Dragon Gate. That was one of the things. Um, obviously, you're a little different in terms of Mexican wrestling, but for me, especially, like I, I knew other wrestling existed. I had a fair idea of what Lucha Libre was, but ROH was the first place that I was exposed to Dragon Gate and Noah and Kodobushi and like sort of got a real feel for what wrestling was, particularly in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably true for a lot of people who weren't like on the internet in the the days of you know giant baba book all japan you know pre-noah all japan basically no yeah i I totally agree because here if you were not following japanese wrestling like specifically like you went through a like since ecw falls and then until Ring of Honor that you probably didn't know much about like Japanese wrestling. Uh, I, like I said, unless you were specifically going out of your way to see what like Noah was doing, pretty much. But yeah, and yeah. I think they they deserve a lot of credit for that, um, and uh, yeah, just exposure for those guys. They they used to be the the learning excursion place. I mean, look at. Not that these, some of these guys weren't great already, but look at the Noah guys who spent time, you know, in ROH. You know, the, the long extended stays. Marafuji, Kenta, mm-hmm. Morishima, Shiyazaki. Like. Yeah, yeah all, all four guys are now top guys. Like, Chingo used to come. Yo, to... right, there's another one. That not even Noah, but yeah, that was the other one. Yeah. Shingo, I think, stay also for a while because 
Yeah, there, he, there was a while there. Yeah, the proper learning excursion too. Yeah, yeah. Sh- Shima would come in with a bunch of guys, but I think yeah. Shingo was the only. Yeah, because I think Naruki Doi and someone else went to Impact. Yeah, that and, sounds really familiar, but I don't remember. I don't remember them being there that long. No, the, it wasn't long, but I think they did stuff over there. Uh, they, def- they definitely did. So I remember mm-hmm. seeing Doi's name on the World X Cup, and like years later, and being shocked. Or Yoshino who has been the other one who yes. was with him. Yeah, Yoshino Doi. So, like Shingo is another one, uh, and they they got Kobashi, they got Misawa. Yeah, those situations. huge. Yeah, those. It's it's one of those things where like. Like if you were a fan of, of wrestling or you I don't know, like if you were following um, the wrestling observer newsletter or whatever, like you knew those guys and you knew how big of a deal it was that they were wrestling Joe or wrestling someone else. Yeah, and that um, they were coming to the US to do it too. That was Yeah. It was a sort of thing like you never thought you'd see those guys live unless you were able to fly to Japan. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, pretty much uncomfortable at at that point and and yeah, all props to Ring of Honor for for having those connections and for having that conversations and and bringing yep. those guys in. Uh, yeah, like t- talking, I, I guess about Ring of Honor too. Like, what would you say is your favorite memory of of the last twenty years or so? Oh gosh, um, I guess I'll probably say my my first show in the main event there, but. Um, also, I, I just have to mention Eddie Edwards winning the ROH world title and nice. they put the, the clip on YouTube of, of, of the title change, like right after and just a pop for that fucking roll up. And oh my God, cause for those who don't know, um, so this is the first DVD I bought and this was one of the reasons I bought it. The others was Dragon and Nigel's last show. Mm-hmm. Eddie Edwards had, was, um, they had. After the first ladder war, they said, we'll never, ever bring it back. And Gabe on the message board basically said he doesn't want anyone to try to one-up what Steen Generico did, and that was way too dangerous. Whether or not that was actually you know, true or that was just a gimmick that they would eventually bring it back would be, you know, I don't know. But so they finally, you know, the Steen Generico versus uh, American World Series had gotten too heated, and they were going to have another ladder war. And yeah. it was the first DVD I bought. I couldn't see it. Also wound up being Brian and Nigel's last show. And the night before, because the last time they had been in Boston, this is the little shit I love. The last time they had been in Boston was Never Say Die in May. And Davey Richards and Kevin Steen had a street fight. So this time, you know, the night before the show, they put, which was Final Countdown Tour Boston, duh, they put Steve, Steen and Eddie in the street fight. And Eddie goes for the tope, and Steen hits him with the chair on the way in, and Eddie breaks his arm. Yeah, and he it. Then that motherfucker, you know, his arm was like in a big cast, but he fucking wrestled a ladder match with a broken arm, and Eddie Edwards never got booed in the city of New York ever again. Like that, more than anything else you know, necessitated turning the Wolves babyface, like it was going to happen anyway, especially when they were bringing things wrestling back. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, Eddie Edward never got booed in New York again, and to giving him that moment in New York was just 
amazing and beautiful. And the, the whole, all the setup that they'd done with Roddy also. Yeah, and, and the setup with Davy Richards because since yes, right, since he started chasing Tyler Black. Like everyone knew, oh, it's gonna be Davy. Right, it has to be Davy. And then Eddie, Eddie not only gets it first beating Roddy after Davy had failed, but. Eddie and Davey had been in the TV titles final the previous year, and Eddie actually beat him. Mm-hmm. And now we were left with these great three months of like, is Eddie going to, what's going to happen? Is Eddie going to turn on Davey? Is Davey going to turn on Eddie? Um, and I normally hate this sort of interference stuff, especially Ring of Honor, but there was a, one of the most underrated matches ever is Revolution candidates, Eddie and uh, defending the belt against Chris Hero. And there's some point where, for whatever reason, to stop something, Davey comes out and Eddie had told Davey to just stay in the back and Hero rolls Eddie up. And it's one of those where, oh my God, they're going to change the belt on a fucking distraction. Eddie kicks out. It was so tangible. And then going into the best in the world, again, everyone's, oh my, is is Eddie going to turn? Is Davey going to turn? What's going to happen? And they just played it straight and clean. And there's another one of my favorite memories. I can still quote this to this day, was that Davy's title win, and he's you know just gives this speech because he'd been through a lot in his personal life, and you know just everything from him looking up the sky. I did it, Grandpa. I'm the world champion. But then he's he goes to give the speech, and he Eddie he's got Kyle O'Reilly and Tony setting him. And Eddie goes to leave, and he points to no Eddie, you come in the ring, your family too, and that whole thing. There's another favorite memory that was amazing. Yeah, and eventually, is their first match final battle that year? No, the first match was was the, the TV title finals the year before, well, and then no, this one, not, final battle. I, final battle, I think, was was their next match. Yeah, yeah, but that's where uh, Eddie defends the the title against Davy. I think other way around. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the title change is best in the world. Twenty eleven. The the yes, other one yeah. that went way too long was final was final battle. With Dan Severn because Jim Cornette is involved. Oh yeah, that's when Severn and Cosina were hanging out yeah. with those guys. Yeah, because at this yeah. point they're already they've already introduced Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly as their protege. Right, they're, they're they're kind of sort of seconds, yeah, yeah, which was was really great the way they did that, and they that kind of sets the buffer Cole and O'Reilly heading into their turn where Kyle actually did turn. Which was a great fake out for what they had done with Davy and uh, and Eddie, and that set up the Wolves coming back together in Final Battle 2012, which I was also in the building for. Nice. All of which was yeah. they were willing to to not do the obvious thing, and or and not not do the 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 pro wrestling thing, and they they did it in ways that always sort of worked, or like the the whole Jimmy loves Lacey angle. Jimmy's a heel and Lacey is a heel, but by God, you want to see Jimmy win Lacey's heart. And like, in some ways you don't, not that you don't care that Jimmy is cheating, but you always feel bad for Jimmy the whole time. And all the stuff they did with Cabana and Cabana, you know, where he's just like making fun of Jimmy and because Cabana and Lacey are doing it. And Jimmy started, Cabana starts to feel sorry for Jimmy and he's trying to, get Jimmy to leave Lacey and Jimmy looks like he's going through him and he kicks him in the nuts and starts stabbing him with Lacey's shoe. And then the end, you know, it's going into the 
the cage match with BJ at Supercard of Honor 2, which is now we're going to stuff I didn't see live or <laughs> didn't see in real time, but just memories that Jimmy Jacobs promo the night before with, uh, you know, I don't count sheep at night anymore, BJ. I count the number of ways I can hurt you. And the whole, you know, pro- the hero gets the girl at prom night. Like, Whitmer's the baby face, but oh my God, you want to see Jimmy win so he can win Lacey's heart? Yeah. And then he, you know, it's Lacey's promises him one night of ecstasy, but no, he's going to win her heart the real way and mm-hmm. makes makes her give him four dates. And then they do that. And then they come back and eventually it's the age of the fall and love doesn't save, nothing saves. And he pushes her away. And I don't remember if he actually sent her in rain to seduce Ares or it was a kind of sort of thing. And then when Ares, you know, Lacey winds up going with Ares and seeing the way it affects Jimmy. And just that whole saga of them was beautiful. And Jimmy goes nuts. There's one of my, the best lines in ROH history is homicide. Um, this is the weekend Gabe gets fired. Had was coming in. It was his first time back since TNA pulled everybody. And there's a moment early in the show and return to the one eight seven where Jimmy's out there and he's now shaved his. I think he had the half shaved head. And there's some red dye in there. Yeah. And Homicide goes, Jimmy, Jimmy Jacobs. What the fuck happened to you, man? <laughs> and just all of that and the whole thing with Jimmy and Lacey. And there's a lot of stuff that like I highly recommend. The, if you can find it, the Gabe's Book of ROH Secrets DVD from KFA Commentaries where Gabe sort of says where he was going because there's some stuff in there that is not what happened that was beautiful, but just the whole Jimmy Lacey thing and when Jimmy's leaving at Supercard of Honor, Dan, 2015, what was that? I think 11? So. No. Supercard of Honor 9, maybe? And that last the match with BJ Whitmer again, who has turned on him, and I don't know, did BJ, I think he, damn, did he turn on him before the match or after, but they tied that back into the feud, and who makes the save for Jimmy? It's fucking Lacey. Yeah. Like, that was the, it was such a minor thing in the grand scheme of things, but that was my favorite moment of the year in wrestling in 2015, and ROH, you know, set those characters up to be in that spot. Uh, another love angle with Delirious and Daisy Hayes and Rhett Titus and all that stuff and, you know, Rhett being the jerk and the braggart and Delirious and unrequited love for Daisy and Daisy ties into Jimmy Jacobs Delirious going crazy and now Daisy's got to try to free him from Jimmy Jacobs' control. Just amazing stuff and I'm realize I'm, I'm doing all the talking here, Ciro, if you want to get anything. <laughs> like... No, no, no. Like, I mean, I knew I was, I, I got you to, for this show for a reason because, like, you know, Ring of Honor. And, and yeah, I agree. Like, all of those stories. Well, one of my favorite stories, and it's not a big story, but it was Homicide versus Cole Cabana when they yes. did the whole Drano thing. That was. I don't remember this. Well, oh, the Drano. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was such a, a step. Like to make something, you got to go a step up, and that was crazy. Yeah. And then the that I think that was final battle. And yes, they used that. I love that in hindsight they used that. I I think he was legitimately fired or no show, but they used that to write Carino out, and that just put over that Steve Carino, who hates homicide, mm-hmm. had been brought in by Cabana to help fight homicide. 
a few months before, and the Drano, and then like the Carino then left after that, and it's like that that was too much for you know his friend almost getting murdered with Drano made Steve Carino scared of homicide and not willing to fight him. Yeah, that <laughs> was just amazing. Yeah, and the and, whole and that that's another one of those feuds that's just beautiful. Like it shows Cabana doing stuff you don't expect from him. Yeah. And the that, that, that's my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing of the all because I think it's the only time we've ever seen Cabana like become someone else, like a different character. And we saw like his darker side, I guess, in a way. And and I was like, holy shit! Like this is a story that I'm like so involved. And it's like you see the Drano thing, and you're like, holy shit! Like, I mean, you taste it in your mouth, and you're like, oh my god, that's this is terrible. And and that's what caught me, like, and and I don't think it's a, a few that's like remembered that much nowadays. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's so it's under the radar now with all the crazy shit we've seen. Yeah, but it was like it was a big thing, and one of my favorite things about that feud is after it, the way that Gabe like Gabe said it or used that to set up Cabana's next story with Danielson, where he, um, god damn it, what? and they actually did a. The lyrics did the callback to it, but they, he is wrestling Danielson for the world title at the hundredth show and he gets fucking rolled up in like eight minutes. Yeah. And it's like, that's not, and Danielson had been going like 25, 30, he had just gone 56 with Roddy two nights, no, the night before a super card. So the night before he'd gone 56 with Roddy and he you know, had been going twenty and you know twenty five thirty with Rave and Shelley before that, and then now Cabana's new stories. He's got to relearn how to wrestle after the, you know, fighting homicide for his life. Mm-hmm. And it's just the sort of beautiful, like that's the sort of stuff Wing of Honor did that, like you would never see in any other promotion, like that really made me appreciate Gabe in particular, but like Delirious and Pierce. Pierce didn't have that much time, but Delirious did it too in his earlier years. But like stuff I learned, like we sort of, we think the world title should always go on last. And, you know, we get annoyed when WWE doesn't do it. But, and I remember just listening to Gabe talk about these things at various points. And he's, you know, was pointing to, you know, times when either A, he noticed that if basically go back to the Briscoe's run is really where it is that he was doing this, that he was trying to, the one you were talking about with the, you know, seven with the two straight, two had the three falls. Yeah. Which actually I got to note that they set that up with the Briscoe's get the belts back from the Kings of wrestling or no, sorry. Shit. Not the Kings, the Kings of wrestling lose to Davey, uh, Seidel and Daniels at dethroned, uh, Daniels and Seidel lose it to the Briscoe's at fifth, year of number so fifth year festival chicago and then okay briscoe's had the belts back this is the first time with the belt since they, they took the big hiatus in 04 and they were out most of 05 and they just turned baby face and they lose them the next like down the next show to uh shingo and then somebody and i'm annoyed that i don't know this whoever was from dragon gate and then the next show is fifth year festival finale. And what the Briscoes do, they fight each other. We have to toughen up and then they win the belts back the next show. And then they go on this monster run 
which was the longest one in the title's history. And I love little shit like that. But so what Gabe was doing during that one is he's trying to make the tag belts something that can main event, a, a feel like a main event to a show and sell DVDs. And like, it's about, you know, you got to sell the DVDs. You know, actually, I bet you the reason they were doing it is Morishima was the champ and he wasn't going to be there on every show. Yeah. And like, when, you know, it's taught me that you can you can build the tag titles up to also to be world title level. Yeah. You can. And they did the uh, same with the pure title when Nigel had it and, and he feuded it with, with Danielson. Yeah. Yeah. They were definitely, they were bringing it up to that level. Although actually my ultimate memory of that, the, the lesson I learned from that one is the don't fuck, you know, if you're going to do a fuck finish, find some way to make the world title match, not the main event. Yeah. <laughs> Which that, but I remember there was the uh, as weekend of champions night two, whichever one is Daniel, uh, Dragon and Nigel, where they're wrestling for the I think both belts are on the line, maybe. Uh, but it's the important part is the pure title rules are in effect, and Dragon goes for his big springboard, uh, Sentani thing. And Nigel hits him with the chair, and Nigel gets back into the ring, and Dragon does it. And it's, you know, Nigel wins by countout, but the world title doesn't change hands on countout. So everyone keeps their belts, but, like, Gabe set, you know, found some reason for something else. I don't remember what it is. I'm not going to take the time to get the DVD out to be the main event. Or going back, people have been talking. The Danielson-Adam Page draw has been pretty divisive among people. And one of the things Todd Martin did mention it, but I haven't really heard anyone else talk about. Um, and you know, everyone's been saying that it, it's the 60 minute draws a sort of glamor thing from the past, from, uh, you know, the Ric Flair days, but Joe and punk, you know, really. And I think are the ones who really brought it back for the work weight fans as a thing. Um, and that show was the first, the first one, the world, which became world title classic, was supposed to be titled Ultimate Endurance, and the Ultimate Endurance match, I believe, was the main event. And like, why was the world title not the main event? Because Gabe didn't know how the people were going to react to a sixty-minute draw. And no, yeah, it's 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 a hard thing to do even today. Like we saw it with with Danielson and Paige like a week ago, like. Yeah. You don't know how people are going to react, especially like on TV. Yeah. It's, and I think ROH was usually really good at making it work. Um, and I, I will just even going back to the last one, the Taven and uh, and Lethal yeah. was just tremendous. And the only one, the, the two I can remember that didn't work were uh, Daniels and Punk. Which there was just way too much stalling early on, um, which is actually the second time that had happened in a Daniels match in like two months because he goes sixty with AJ and PWG two two months before, and it was one of those situations where like Daniels was the TNA champ, AJ was the PWG champ, and TNA didn't want Daniels to lose, and AJ and Daniels really didn't want to do the match. I think there was a TNA pay per view like two days later, and. Mm-hmm. That one was also just a shit draw, so I guess don't book Daniels in sixty minute draws. But and the the dra- dragon had his um and dragon doing the the one with Joe um at Fight of the Century, and then a, a few weeks later doing back to back nights of sixty minute draws, like calling back to the world champions of old. Um, 
because I'm mean, like I can't help but note that it made no sense that those were the last two matches of Nigel and Cabana's chases, and like there should like that's that's a game mistake that I'm happy to admit to. Um, but like I think ROH, you know, gets credit for those things working. Um, the only one, the other one that didn't work was Aries and Tyler, and that was ROH's first eye pay per view. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and they just. There was I was supposed to actually I was supposed to go to a show that was over Thanksgiving weekend that got canceled. They said just use your tickets for a different show, which I was oh cool I get to go to the final battle, and that was a, there was a monstrous snowstorm that weekend. The show the night before is Eye of the Storm too, for that reason, um, and they just the fans were not in the mood for Aries running away, running away, and Tyler, you know. Basically, as they know, the fucking snow is piling up and getting out. It's going to be even more impossible. Yeah. And like, if if they had just pulled the trigger on the title change that night, it would have been you know, would have been fine. But the Aries got away with the running away with the problem. But yeah, and also I, that match, I remember, it was led by the Briscoes versus the Wolves. Yes, yeah, a really good match. But then they there was like this clusterfuck Jack Evans versus Teddy Hart that wasn't yes. planned. And and I totally understand doing sixty minutes after those two things, like I can totally see the crowd like uh, I don't know if I'm a minute to. Yeah, that. I think and I think they might have actually been stalling. So because of the snowstorm, the night the match the night before was supposed to be. Oh, shit, I'm gonna hate myself. Um, Jack and Teddy. No, it was either damn. It was either going to be Jack and Teddy. It was Joaquin uh, and Alex Kozlov were the other two. And it was either, mm-hmm. I think it was Jack and Teddy against Alex and Rocky or some, some form of teaming. You'd know better than me with whatever made sense with Triple A stories at that point. But and I think then Jack and Teddy couldn't make it the night before because of the snow, although everyone was going fucking Teddy Hart no-showing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think they had also been stalling to get Jack and Teddy time to get to the building, so other matches were going long. Um, that was the first, the Young Bucks' first really great match that night. It was that night in Ring of Honor, Steen Generico, yeah, and that the Steen Generico, the Steen turning on Generico afterwards has that for a moment. Uh huh. Yeah, that is that show. That's also a uh, Hero versus Kingston. Yes. Oh my! There's a few that doesn't get talked about. Yeah. For oh my god, there's just like a magic to that. That was one of those feuds that I never knew how much of it was a shoot. Right, and they've been really secretive on that. I don't know if I've heard Kingston talk and Heroes DV, Heroes uh, oh crap, who was it? Smart Mark shoot. Mm -hmm. Right before he went to WWE the first time. He definitely, he was talking about something in PWG in 08 or 07 where he's given a, a speech and Kingston's sitting in the ring making the jack-off motion. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, they've been... And if they were to bring that in, like, the fact that we don't know how much of that was a shoot and the finish of that match of Final Battle where there was, like, a fucking gonzo bomb onto a, the guardrail. Yeah. It was like that they... Either they were actually best friends or they hate each other's guts, but by God, they trust each other. <laughs> And also on that show, Hero, then uh, we formed Kings of Wrestling. Yes, cause, yes, because Claudio, I think, was just doing like whatever Four Corner Survival they used to have to open shows. 
And I think right. he wins. He, he was doing. He, he was getting the uh, the spinning around spot, the UFO over with Kenny Omega. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was floundering as a a shit. What was he at that point? I think he'd been a heel. He'd been he was a really hot baby face. He lost a few to Nigel and turned on Dragon. I think he joined the embassy is what happened, and just kind of floundered because the embassy at that point just floundered. Yeah. And yeah, he needed something, and damn it, they found it because the that Kings of Wrestling that's the run of the Kings of Wrestling, right? And that that eclipses the Briscoes for longest tag title reign. Mm-hmm. And I think they went like they went almost a year because they they win them at uh, Big Bang and that feud with the Briscoes is beautiful. Um, and they even the fucking match at Final Battle with uh, Hagenoy on one side and Papa Briscoe on the other. Oh yeah, like, it's just, I think that was the first time they really got Papa Briscoe involved, and there was just a fun factor to it. Yeah, I totally forgot that, that match. whole feud was insane, and the Death Before Dishonor match. It, and that's the that's the feud that eventually leads to the world greatest tag team, right? Yes, them coming in and how was that the, the finish of all that? I'm still the finish of I think it's is it, I don't know if it's the match it's a match where they win the belts because World's Greatest Hacking loses to uh uh Kings Wrestling that done the first match of Glow by Honor, mm-hmm. um where Shelton comes off the top with the elbow drop with Hero's elbow pad with the elbow pad on or something like that. King the World's Greatest Tag Team one was interesting because there was like I know from again reading the message board and just while well, I haven't watched on the DVDs, um, when you'd see people coming from WWE and especially they did it with uh, when Kendrick came back and James Gibson came in and there's someone we're gonna have to talk about James Gibson so just remind yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they come in and this is Gabe was still on commentary at times and was very heavy handed. The the shackles are off and there there's the no one's gonna tell them how to wrestle and other stuff that was even more kayfabe breaking. <laughs> but in ROH was and the Indies the Indies in general turned into that. But ROH was the place where someone would get let go from WWE who you'd sort of always been, oh that'd be so, I wonder what this guy can do. Yeah. And and you'd see it. And for me, the first people who fit into that category were wrestling's greatest tag team, and seeing them come in and like, okay, cool. These, I, I, I hadn't been fully in, like, I, I had not been indoctrinated really with the WWE. You know, they're all the wrestlers there suck, hate because there are people there, and I've always been a fan of you know Sean Triple H and like people. People weren't like Punk was there, and people weren't pissing on it, but I don't ever remember anyone else who had been cut in the time I'd really I'll say been well used the term been an internet fan who was a sort of and 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 had known about the indies who was a you know I want to see what they do with no sort of restraints yeah and with wrestling Crazy Tech and they were the first one and man they were able to have some awesome matches and they they fit in yeah yeah for sure like like to me I I got that way earlier with TNA when Christian went over because uh, to me Christian was like the ultimate geek in WWE but then he went to TNA I was like huh he's I mean he, he can wrestle but then yeah, yeah like you said like, we, we get people like Gibson that you just mentioned who yeah. was pretty much comedy for the most part uh, in WWE right. but then you see him in a serious 
a position and you're like, holy shit, like this guy can go. Right, and it's not just he can go, but he was going from comedy to WWE. He was, he still might be the best baby face the promotions ever had. He was just, just tough Southern boy. He was just so goddamn likable. And coming out to a uh, crap. Now, now I'm playing on the name of the song, and I bet you the idiots <laughs> at Wikipedia have removed it. So I've got, got got the beat in my head and everything. Um, let's Wikipedia this real quick. Um, but the song was just so perfect. Um, there's a lot of James Gibson's here on this this invigoration page. Um, and he was he was just a guy that was he was. So, uh, nope, they like killed a- the music. A country boy can't survive. That was it. Thank you. I was going to say, thank God I'm a country boy, but I know that's wrong. And he, like, he was just a guy that you wanted to root for and wanted to see do well. And the whole, I mean, going back to stuff ROH, you know, did the others didn't the summer of punk and the punk thing. And oh my God, when he hits the, I think the match with Gibson, the Faven Angel, is where he hits Gibson with the chain. Is how he beats Gibson, and then like, yeah, it's look. I don't like that. And the match where Gibson wins the belt, that Gibson got taken to the back after being hit. Like, if you're taken to the back for medical reasons, to me, you ought to be eliminated. But goddamn, seeing Gibson come back with a bandage on his head, yeah, the fucking stop Punk from escaping with that belt. Yeah. Well, before we go long. Uh, we do have a tease that Ring of Honor is coming back in April of 2022. Joe Cobb has been really, really uh, vague when it comes to saying things. <laughs> all, he, all he does is just like, I don't know, like I, I listened to, to the uh, the podcast this morning. That's I mean, th- this podcast was one of the reasons why we also delayed the show because we wanted to see what Joe Cobb has to say. It just kind of sounded like a circle jerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, like him and what's his name? Uh, Kemp? Kevin Eck. Kevin Eck, yeah. Like they just couldn't stop praising Delirious, and I'm like, oh my Which, god! Um, just... I will. I have to note when Kerry Silken was thanking people, mm-hmm. and uh, when he was on commentary, I forget which match it was in the pay per view. He mentioned Gabe and Pierce, and I think Cornette as well by name, and did not once mention. Delirious Hunter Johnson, or Johnston, or whichever one he is, did not say that man's name. Um, I think my, my feelings on him are quite clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I... Yeah, there seems to be a... Let's pretend that he was he was trying to keep kayfabe and not unmask him on TV. Well, except they've said Hunter, they've said Hunter Johnston as if it's a different person, yeah. which works fine for me. Like I'm fine with that sort of thing. It's like the WCW pay per views with the, uh, you know, the whoever the head booker was would get their name in the credits as the executive producer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, going back to to the future of Ring of Honor, uh, the only thing that I got from the interview is that there were plans to go. On a weekly live schedule, yeah. Back in 2019, but obviously the pandemic hit and they had to cut everything. I guess in 2020 they were not ready to just go back to that plan. But that is the only hint that I get that maybe 
something that we see once they come back, like a live. Uh, I, I don't think that's promotion. happening. That's not. I don't think that's what. I mean, they'll be live in the way that like the the pay per views have been live, on their club's been live. But yeah, um. So Ian Riccoboni did some clarifying on this this morning on the ROH World Forum, mm-hmm. um. And Ian said that they they the go live date was March 2020, and so they had already hired all the people and stuff and bought new production equipment, and that was one of the issues between that and, like, actually paying everyone throughout the pandemic. Hmm. Um, so they had this expense they, they had sunk all the money into that they didn't actually get to do anything with. Yeah, Because one of the things that a lot of people rightly noted was that one of ROH's big problems was that, you know, even TNA or MLW – they're on when they're on. But with ROH, it was on so many different times that there was no, you know, in different markets, that there was no Twitter buzz going on. After, there was no real buzz that could be able to be built up yeah. after the weekly show because everyone's watching at different times and they're just limited the discussion. Not, not just watching. You never know when it's on. That too. Yeah, I can't remember. It used to, I was getting it. Uh, we, we've been getting uh, Nesson, the Boston Sports Regional Network, that we've been getting. And so I – even that, like I couldn't figure out when it was on. I just thankfully said to DVR. But yeah, I would just watch it on the uh, on the website yeah. all the time. Yeah, for, for me, the longest time, it was like one of those uh, places where it was like in the middle of the night. And then suddenly one day I went to the to do laundry and it was on. And I was like, okay, Sunday mornings. I guess I can watch Ring of Honor now. Yeah, but I think, and we we did see them get a bit of that buzz when they were on before TNA on Destination America for those yeah. six months yeah. or whatever that was. Yeah, that was a freaking exciting time in wrestling. Jeez, that's when that's we had the little the original Wednesday Night Wars with NXT, Lucha on the Ground, Ring of Honor, and Impact. Right. And that's that just doesn't even get remembered now because the sad way it ended for well four of those four at the time two of those four yeah <laughs> for everyone. so so going to Lucha Underground actually Ciro one of the questions you kind of had um, was what do you want to see Ring of Honor come back as yeah and I think Lucha Underground is the idea obviously not in the the whole mythical thing which I love but does not belong in Ring of Honor. But I would like to see them just get together in super secret and over the course of a week tape six months of stuff. Um, I think that's the way to go. Um, it partially just because it gives you time. If someone you put over at the end leaves, you can uh, do, you know, you, you can have finish. a million. Wait, so you, wait, not just you can fit, but if they leave in between, the guy who lost, you can still build up by giving them a bunch of squashes and air it week after week. Yeah. But I think that sort of that gives you the best opportunity to have great matches and tell stories and, you know, conclude the stories as best you can. Or what I don't want to see it be is the, the PWG style fly in super indie, almost just because that's what people criticized it as being early on. And, yeah. you know, we're saying there's no stories, but, like, it's completely untrue. But so I would like to see them have a Lucha Underground-style tape and schedule yeah. rather than become it, something else. It is a proven working formula. It worked for NXT for the longest time. 
it works for Impact right now because yeah. they have been able to keep consistent stories. Yes. Yep. And they, uh, they were actually a better comparison just yeah. because they, they're, you know, NXT would tape, you know, a, I don't know if it was, you know, a cycle's worth of tapings at the time, I think. They were taping every three weeks, like ECW. But TNA was been taping, you know, six weeks, two months at a time. And yeah. so, yeah, they, if they can make it work, and I think ROH just needs to do it just because they don't have anyone on a contract on that more, that larger scale, you know, tape six months at a time or four months at a time. Yeah, and I like the comparison with, with NXT in the sense because – Ring of Honor is a work rate promotion, and so you can perfectly book four weeks, let's say, or six of just building up a big show and making now your big shows really, really deliver. Mm-hmm. And and that's how you create buzz when you start yep. to deliver big shows. And and if you like the whole PWG like super indie type of style, it's not gonna work if you want to do tapings. I don't think it's going to work if you want to do televised television for that matter, because you're never going to like a fan is never going to find like a connection with anyone. If people keep changing. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. But, uh, but if you do like six months worth of, I mean, six months, six weeks worth of tapings, you can bring someone, have that person do a program for six weeks and then they can go. And and I think that's something that Impact has done with a couple of people. Like they they brought in Ishimori and Marafuji at one point, or or like right now they had like uh, Kojima or or El Fantasmo. They do four weeks of tapings. You are able to build up a, a match at the end of the tapings, and then they go, and that's okay. It's perfect. Yeah, that's that's one of the other things I learned from Ring of Honor. A lot is that the people you it's and so it's almost okay to just bring people in for a short while, tell your story, and be done with them. WXW is really great at this now, but like not everyone needs some people are it's okay for some people to be you know, sometimes people like they were the guys on every show, then they were the guys who are usually around the Midwest. And mm-hmm. like if you've got a guy who you've got, you know, a a six show story for you don't need to keep them around after, you know, you're, you're done with that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, one thing that kind of occurred to me now that I don't know if you've heard anything about this. I haven't is that if, if they don't come back with a weekly or rather if they come back with a weekly TV, that's not necessarily or a weekly show. that's not necessarily on TV sort of thing. And do we know that they'd stay an hour? Like, especially if you want to do a work, work rate thing. And I was just thinking Lucha Underground, you know, Ultima Lucha used to be up to two hours, you know, and that, that would also be really helpful to, for the big show if you can get more time on it. Or maybe they'll just take the big shows and release them as a, you know, as the pay-per-views, lacking a better term. Yeah, I'm guessing that, like, they'll just do the, the one hour and then build up to the big show. Yeah. Uh, I just want like slightly better, like transitioning between episodes into the big show. Like I remember also during those original Wednesday Night Wars, that every time Ring of Honor had a pay per view, the very next show was either reviews, recaps, or matches that happened before the show. Right, because the the 
this show was originally the, the first airing of that show was on was earlier in the week was at the end of the, the previous weekend. Yeah, exactly. Before, often before the pay per view. That's why they exactly. moved to Friday night pay per views, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, but I remember it made it like a pain in the ass to watch Ring of Honor because you're yes. like, okay, so this is a skippable show. I'm not gonna watch it. Yep. Uh, so like, and it's happened now too. And like, apparently Sinclair wants the tapes way early, but like, happened now. Like that show after the pay per view was always just a slog of, yeah, evergreen crap. And that's one thing that I have to say for Gabe when he was juggling continuity between the pay per views. And the the DVDs and the the live shows and like the paper because the paper just won two month tape delay, and so you know just keeping things up. You can't not spoil things, but keeping everything fresh and giving the pay per views like they gave the pay per views almost not their own continuity and the other things didn't matter, but there were stories that were not like almost pay per view only. Like the one that always jumps out at me is uh, after Nigel wins the belt and turns heel. He's got to, uh, you know, in order to make Dragon get another title shot, he had Dragon had to beat everyone Nigel had already beaten on pay per view, and so Dragon was like one pay per view behind Nigel for the most part, and, and beaten the guy Nigel had just beat a pay per view or two before. Um, so just now, now I don't even know. I've completely derailed this. No, 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 no. Like, they they didn't do a good that. job now with uh, figuring out the continuity, and especially. Actually, the way they were now, they were in the bubble and no results were leaking out. So there's like no excuse. Yeah, and I don't think people care as much anymore about those type of spoilers. Like, I, I don't think people care if you spoil Impact or I guess Rampage people still complain, but I mean, right, it's, it's all it's over the internet. Of, right, and those of us who don't like spoilers know how to avoid them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's It's not like we're talking about like Japan, you know, when back in the day, staying spoiler free was hell because the shows come out like a week later in Daily Motion. Like, right. you just have to wait like a day right. or two. <laughs> right. And ROH on the message board had a, a spoiler free, yeah, uh, a whole separate sub discussion. So the spoiler free thread where it was only able to talk about the most re- up to the most recently released DVD. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that if they want to still go like with uh, weekly stuff, like you just need to make sure that you you look at those things and you fix them. Yep. Um, and I don't know, just figure out a way to get Sinclair to be okay with you taping shows like right after your pay per view. That's how I right now. Think, I don't think Sinclair. The issue with Sinclair was when they wanted the tape in, but I don't <laughs> actually get the sense that for a lot of things, Sinclair was the problem. Because, like, they just weren't aggressive when it came to, you know, growing. And, like, everyone's talked about, like, there's no reason all out. The ROH couldn't have done all, all out. Or all in, rather. Yeah. There's no reason. R- they had the guys. They were the ones providing the TV. But they just weren't. They were too conservative because they were just happy making the money and the sort of Life called the lazy delirious way, where so long as we're making money, we'll just book for the pop and make people happy rather than being ambitious. And it's interesting because if I remember Gabe, one of the reasons, not why Gabe was fired, but they were fired because DVDs weren't selling. But one of the things that 
It's either Gabe or Carrie, or maybe it was actually Hagedorn. I think it was Gabe, but I think Hagedorn's back this up has said is that Gabe was the guy, or Car- Gabe was the probably being the Paul H- seeing what happened with Heyman had been the guy who was happy to be conservative, and Carrie was the guy who was like, no, we got to go to the Midwest. We got to try, you know, Virginia. We got to try California. We got to try Florida. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once Carrie, you know, fully sold and divorced himself for the thing, they kind of had the same problem where Cough and Delirious weren't willing to, to be bold in that way. Just No, yeah. They, they, they played it really safe, but they made the mistake of relying on things that were out of their control. Like, they relied on the Bullet Club, they relied on New Japan, they relied yes. on CMLL. Uh... And they, right, and they never had control over those things. Right, and they and they didn't there was nothing going on in the background to to set it up. Like they which, who what stars have they made over the past we'll say let's say five years as a oh no, set let's say well seven years. We'll go back to December twenty fourteen because just having been in the building for Final Battle twenty fourteen that is the night when Bullet Club Mania came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, it was, the Bucks were doing the, the crotch chops and all that, and people were going nuts for it, and that was the first time that really happened. But like since then, who have they made? You can argue Gresham, although we all knew how good he was. You can, I mean, we all knew Lethal was good. There's St. Taylor, who, again, I will argue was good, you know, got over despite the booking, not because yeah. of it. And Josh Woods. And like that's there's what happened to Flip Gordon when the elite guys weren't around to do anything with him? No one gives a shit about Flip Gordon. Yeah. You know, or look at Adam Page, who was the decade the whole decade young boy idea was cool and started off well. And then joined Bullet Club and floundered because ROH didn't know what to do with him. He had some good Good showings and stuff like the the few the Kazarian, a few with punishment Martinez, but then you you put him in AEW and he's doing tremendously for the most part. They didn't they, they oh and Dalton Castles the other guy they made and again Dalton yeah. was a a shtick gimmick guy who happened to be a tremendous wrestler. Yeah, he got over because of the shtick, right? And like I wrote this in my tweet plug in my uh, ranking the ROH World Champions thread that people like me were super worried like fucking Cody sucked with the belt but like Dalton getting the belt you know we're worried because he's he's just another shtick guy and we didn't want you know he wasn't he is you know he never got the chance to prove himself until he got the belt and then yeah he proved himself but like Gabe and Pierce has always sort of been. You want the next guy to want, right? You want the fans to want the guy, the guy to have the belt before he yep. gets it. Like, and we saw that with uh, with Tyler. Although it waited too long, there we saw that with. Uh, oh my God, did Davy? Davy was who Gabe was going to go to after Tyler, um, and you know there was never really a guy. For the most part, that people were saying. After a while, people are saying, yeah, put the bell on that. I want to see that guy be the champion. Elgin might have been the last one. Yeah, and I mean, that's arguable. <laughs> yeah. See, he, he was 
divisive even before then. There was some of his, his Tiger Wayne's divisive and he's divisive. And even just in the build, he was divisive. People, you know, thought he didn't have much, didn't do anything useful after the Davy match. Yeah. No, and, and when you notice like the champions that came after, that's when Ring of Honor started to rely on, on kind of giving like those you deserve it type of reigns. Because that's when Briscoe, Lethal, Daniels, those guys come in. Uh, see, I'm not argue. I did not like either of the Briscoe title reigns. I um, liked the first one because it felt oh shit, I it's did. Briscoe. Uh, see, I, 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 I never felt that emotion at all with Jay as a thing. Like I love him now, but like I never felt it. Hmm. But and the second, the second Briscoe reign was just because of the Elgin situation, and they just didn't take the belt off him quick enough. Yeah. And I think that the lethal one, I do lethal second. They also, I think, was because Dalton was injured. And you could argue they could have just, they should have just put the belt on Taven. And I, I will accept that argument. Yeah. But yeah, I, there was the, the Daniels should have been the good story, but wasn't. The shit with Cole jumping back and forth and the bullshit, you know, yeah. And, but Taven felt like his. I hate to say it because it wasn't quite that, and I thought a lot of 2019 was really great, but like it's like Booker T in 2000 and WCW, Scott Steiner in 2000. Like, well, give the he's earned it. Let's give him a chance, but like it feels like there should be a better option and there isn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to me, all of the reigns pretty much from the second time Lethal loses the title are completely like non-existent. Like, PCO yes. was like a shtick. Oh uh, yep. Rush's Rush. wins, like, I don't know, like, I love Rush, but like, he's not a Ring of Honor champion. Uh, Bandido, I don't know. Like, I, I, I thought just... if, they, if there were more shows, I think people would have gotten into Bandido. And Maybe. also, of course, they, he got fucked over by whatever bullshit Rush was pulling. Yeah. Which that's the sort that had until Bully Ray and then Roosh, that sort of shit had been, at least to my knowledge, and I haven't heard anything about it from Hagedorn, other than like Loki, that sort of shit never happened in ROH. No, yeah, of course. And they, they let people in who did that, and Roosh and Bully, and at least Roosh was the fucking star, but the whole Bully Ray disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and, I don't know, like, at least Roosh is kind of like, just there for the money. Uh, right. Bully Ray was trying to like make Ring of Honor his. Right, he's one of those you could just see that he's that this this is the exact person you don't want. The veteran who is coasting by doing his own thing. Like he would give these speeches. No one wants to see. They want to see a street fight. It's fucking Ring of Honor. Yeah. And yeah, oh my God, that that fucking Bully Ray Flip Gordon. Few fucking <laughs> shit at the end. The fat old Sandman, like who wanted to see that? Yeah. And the whole Flip Gordon pushing that he was in the army and then having the fucking American flag on the floor half the match pissed me off on every level. No, yeah, like Flip Gordon. I mean, talk about a derailed career. Oh my god, yeah. And like, like him personally, like with his whole personal thing, but like Ring of Honor. Like didn't do good for him, and the the worst thing that could happen for him, I think, it's that AW grew, and those yep. guys didn't yeah. care to bring him in. Yep, and they they don't need Flip Gordon. They have Sammy Guevara, who is what Flip Gordon was, but like ninety times better. 
Yeah, exactly. And 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 Don and Dante Martin, who's what Flip Gordon was in Ninety Times Better. Yeah. And Leo Rush, and like I, oh my god, we could go on forever naming these guys. And, and the same thing happened in, in New Japan. Like they don't need Flip Gordon. <laughs> right. They have they have Osprey. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, we've gone long. It's been two hours. Uh, I'm yeah. probably gonna have to break this audio in two. Yeah. But thank you for joining me to talk Ring of Honor. Uh, we, I, I'm really glad we got to do this because, like, ever since I've known you, like, it's been you're you've been like like my Ring of Honor point of contact. And and I'm glad we I got to pick on your brain a little bit. Uh, and we'll see what happens in April. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, April, no date given. No. It's, yeah, that's that's ominous there. Yeah, I know. That's hey, Joe Coff said they're coming back. <laughs> oh well, if Joe if Joe Coff said it, then <laughs> it has to be we'll, real. We'll, we'll, he, yeah, we'll we'll see. He's a businessman. He's a capitalist. <laughs> oh man, go go listen to that podcast. It's like oh my god, <laughs> I can't, I can't. I respect Kevin Eck for just, just I, I enjoy his writing. And just some of the stuff, or at least he claims he pitches when he was on WWE Creative that didn't get on the air. I respect him too much to want to have him sullied by being the shill he apparently was in this whole thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the boss you have to. Right. It's the boss that didn't even know you, you were in the photograph. In the po- in the oh, photograph. my God. Can you imagine <laughs> I know. that right there? Oh, God. Uh, uh, oh. I don't yeah, know that, if you that, saw the picture, I was in it. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh well, I, I only saw the people who were next to me. <laughs> so you didn't see the photograph then, Joe? Jeez. Yeah, uh, cough is oh, so God. full of shit. But anyway, yeah. thank you yeah. for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, no I hope you have a, a beautiful end of the year. Uh, thank you. You too. And I guess uh, we'll we'll touch back in April to see. Yep. What happens with Ring of Honor? Yep, yep. Alrighty, thank you. Um, see ya. And that concludes our long conversation about Ring of Honor with Big Red Machine from the WrestlingRevolution.com. Uh, I totally like. I, I think I had to cut him off, and and I think I had to cut myself off because we could have gone this conversation for a couple of hours more, like when we started talking about like, you know, the retrospective of like feuds, like uh, I I was looking at the calendars and I was looking at the shows that Ring of Honor had in 2007. I was like, man, like that was like such an amazing year that we could easily just do a whole two hour show talking about 2007. And that was something that Ring of Honor had. Like you just, there was so much that you could have a full podcast just talking about, one show or a year or something. So, hey, maybe that's a project that we can see in the future. I, I would totally love to have something like that. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, Big Red Machine, for coming up uh, and for, for spending a couple of hours talking about Ring of Honor. And so that is it for WRPX this week. And I will try to come back for, I mean, for sure we're coming back for Wrestle Kingdom. It is the party of parties when it comes to wrestling and so we have wrestle kingdom coming up really really soon 
so if if not for the crazy end of the year that Japanese wrestling is going to have, for sure we're coming back for Wrestle Kingdom. But for now, uh, leave a like. Uh, you can follow us on iTunes and Spotify. I know Spotify is starting trying to add uh, stars, so leave a five stars if if you think this match was this this show was as good as Okada versus Omega. Uh, also, you can find us on Twitter at DW Revolution, and you can also go to DWrestlingRevolution.com where you can find both mine and Big Red Machine's reviews. Uh, we completely have different focuses, so we can cover every type of wrestling out there. Most because like we don't really cover much of WWE nowadays, but nonetheless, like if you're looking for a review, chances are we can probably help you out. And so yeah, go check them out, thewrestlingrevolution.com. And that is it for now. That is it for 2021, maybe? I don't know. But without further ado, adios. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>